like to learn more about LACC, please visit us online at lansingchurch.org. Today's message from Joel Nagel continues the Be the Church series and is called All Nations One. Just a note, Joel had a number of people in the congregation read aloud from Scripture off mic during this sermon, so it's not perfect podcast material, but there's still plenty you can take away from the message. We're in this series right now. We, we've transitioned from messy church to be the church, which is, which is interesting if you think about it. We talked about just how messy things can be when you gather a, people, a group of people together who maybe would have never known each other um, and then ask them to be in community together. And now we're talking about what, is, what does God want that to be? What's the vision that he has? Um, is this a little loud, do you think, or is it good? We're good? Okay, cool. I'm hearing, like, I'm hearing things. Um, so we talked last week about how the church is the chapter of God's big story that we are in right now. It started with creation, and if you don't believe that, well, here you are. Uh, so it's, that's a pretty easy one. And then the next chapter was the fall. God made his creation perfect, but we are imperfect. And if you think about your past week, Yep, that one's true too, isn't it? We all probably messed up in one way or another. Um, But God had a plan through all of that. And the the chapter that he was weaving, even as we continue to fall, we continue to sin, is the story of redemption. And we see that through the cross, through the resurrection. We get to be redeemed. And yet we don't live in a perfect world yet. But that's the, the ending, that's the finale, is this is all going to be restored by God. It's going to be so amazing. But right now, we're living between redemption and restoration in a messy church that we get to be, okay? And so today, we're going to look at an aspect of the messy church because something that happens is this story, this big story, sometimes it gets hijacked. And we're going to see this today in in this message, one of a few of the ways that God's story gets hijacked, and we'll see it next week as well. And so today's message is titled, be the church, all nations, one. What's God's vision for the world? You ever think about that? Like maybe you've got vision for your life. I hope you do. Sometimes people even put, put it on like a vision board. Like they cut out things from magazines and this is, you know, this is what I'm going to look like. This is what I'm going to do. This is my vision. If you thought about what's God's vision board, what's he cutting out of the magazines for our world? What is God, what's, what's the end game? that God has for our world. All nations, one. That's the vision that God has. I'll show you in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. And I'm going to read it out of the ESV version. You can read along on here. Uh, the wording's a little bit different, but I think both um, are awesome. If you want to turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Let's go. Ephesians 2, verse 12, says, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That sounds a lot like the fall, doesn't it? Separated with no hope. But now, let's talk about redemption. In Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one 
and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, therefore killing hostility. The word one was in that passage a few times. In the ancient world, the major division was between Jewish people and Gentiles, non-Jewish people. And this passage and many others talk about how God united those groups through Jesus Christ. The cross of Christ did amazing things, takes away our sin, uh, gives us hope for restoration, but it also has the potential to unite groups that are not united. God's vision for our world is oneness. It's unity. How do you think God's feeling about our world right now? <laughs> if you think about that as the vision. We're going to get into some things this morning, and, and I want to ask a couple of things from you. First of all, please listen to this message with humility. And then secondly, I, I want to ask for grace um, as I teach this. You know, we all have very different life experiences, and so we have to approach the things we're going to talk about today with so much humility and also so much grace. Any conversation I've ever had where there was humility and grace has gone so well. If God's great big vision for the world is oneness, then his church, our church, should be painting a picture of that vision. Okay, I'm going to ask you guys to participate here. It's oneness, right? We're all going to do this together. I'm going to put some scriptures on the screen, and if you would just stand up and read it. But I want to go kind of quick, so just stand up and read it loud and proud. The, the Facebook feed won't be able to pick this up, but we're reading scriptures. You'll see it on the screen. Ready? Here we go. Somebody read that for me. Yes, go for it, DJ. DJ's got it. Amen. Next up, Jonathan. Yeah. Thank you. Man, there's there's more. Cool. All nations, amen. There's there's more. Who else wants to read? Come on. All nations. Jesus quoted that in the temple. What else? Who else wants to read one for me? Amen. Patrick? That sounds good. There's more.
we starting to see the vision of God here? There's more. Amen. I, I will shake all nations. Zechariah's got something to say. Who else wants to read one? There's a few more. Go ahead. Right, God's bringing them together. Brandon? We know that one, but did you know all those other ones came first? Kathy, one more. Amen. That happened almost 2,000 years ago. Amen. Do you see the masterpiece that God wants to work through his church? This is his dream. This is his vision. We get to participate in a world changing mission and vision. That's God's dream for our lives, for your life. God is a father who loves his children, every single one of them, just like we do with our own. I got a question for the, for the parents here. Um, how do you feel when someone treats your children poorly? How does that make you feel? Oh, yeah, that's, that's not good. That's not good. Uh, you know, we had, I remember a few years ago, uh, I was talking to Beth about this. She's actually with the kids right now, treating them so wonderfully, I'm sure. Uh, we, we had a parent-teacher conference, and, uh, you know, you go to parent, I've got great kids, and the teachers usually are just like, oh, your kids are the best, we love her, We go to this parent-teacher conference, and, and it was fine. But it wasn't, like, great. Like, is, is our kid even in your class? Like, what do you mean, it's just okay? And we were, like, offended. I was, like, hurt. That, that I was like, do, you don't see, and this is like totally prideful parenting, right? I'm like, you don't see the glory in my child? What is happening? Like, it wasn't even a slight. It was just like, what? Um, it was so hurtful. You know, our Heavenly Father knows exactly how awesome each of his children are. There's not one son or daughter of God that is just okay. You are the apple of his eye. You are his beloved. He would and he has done anything for you. When you go to parent-teacher conferences, he gushes over you and every single human on the planet. Do you believe that about yourself? You're so special. Do you believe that about others? About everybody in this church family right here? We're all-stars. This is the all-star team right here, okay? But here's what happens. We let smaller stories. This, the, we just, you guys just helped me read the big story, the big vision of God. But we let smaller stories get into our thinking about one another and about the church. The world has these little stories. They seem like big stories, but they're not this big. So I want to spend some time this morning addressing some of those small stories that get inflated above God's dream of all nations becoming one through church. First thing I want to talk about is race. Race is a construct, technically, 
not real. There's no difference between people because of the color of their skin. We know this. But at the same time, racism is very real. The color of a person's skin, unfortunately, greatly affects their lives and their experience. It happens overtly. It happens unintentionally. And it causes great hurt and confusion. You know, even in the church, we face misunderstandings. There are assumptions. There's division because of race. The small story that the world wants us to believe, there's a couple stories here, is that we either need to be hyper-focused on race or ignore racism as if it doesn't exist at all. Those are small stories. I don't have the answer for this. But I do have a question for you. I want you to think about this. What story does God want to write regarding race with the Lansing Area Church of Christ? What part does he want you to write? What can you do? I'll have, I'll have more of an answer towards the end of this. But I want to move to the next small story. Race and now politics. We're going for it this morning. Amen. <clears throat> Uh, politics, more specifically for most of us, American politics. I like to remember that it's 3% of the world's population, and we get so make it such a big deal. It's 3%. Okay? Um, it's such a small story compared to the big story of God. But we see more and more churches and their members getting caught up in a political story. It's a small story. This is what uh, Larry Hurtado wrote this about the early, earliest Christians. Look at this. Did you know that the earliest Christians, this is the first 300 years of Christianity. I'll show you another slide in a second. It was multiracial, multiethnic, and placed a high value on all of the members of the church. Amen to that. The church was spread across socioeconomic lines with a high value in caring for the poor. Rich and poor, people focused on helping those who were poor. The church had a staunch resistance to infanticide and abortion. The church was resolute in its vision of marriage and sexuality as being between one man and one woman for life. And the church practiced love for enemies rather than vengeance. There is not a political party in the United States that checks all of these boxes. That's The small story of politics is not the big story of God. It's not the answer. If you believe that God wants to change the world through politics, then what you've done is added a middleman, a lesser story. God wants to change the world through you and through your church. I want you to consider this. Jesus died around AD 30. Christianity was legalized. That means like it first became okay. It wasn't like celebrated. It was just okay in the year 313 by the emperor Constantine. That's 283 years after Jesus died. 283 years of Christianity not being legal. The first major instance of, of a Christian actually wielding some political power was 360 years after Jesus died. The United States of America is 246 years old. We, you put the timeline over, put those over each other, Christianity isn't even legal yet. Why are we hoping for a political solution? Okay? It's a small story. 
for more years than America has been around, the earliest Christians did not accept political office. They wouldn't be in politics. I don't even know it's not. They would not serve in the military. The Roman Empire, they're not going to serve in that. They were persecuted. If, if you think, like, okay, well, why wouldn't they go after politics? Every so often, for those first 300 years, persecution would break out, and they would literally be killed by their government. Shouldn't they be petitioning the government? No, they petitioned God. They believed that prayer would do more than any political action could. They weren't disengaged because everything was great. It's because they believed in a bigger story. And when the church and the state finally got together, that's when most people think the decline of Christianity and the Roman Empire really began. I'm not going to tell you what to do with all of this, just like with our last small story. But I want you to consider how big of a story is politics in your lives. How much are you reading that story? How much are you watching that story? How much are you letting it affect you? Will we be a church that honors God's vision of all nations if we're hyper-focused on the politics of one nation? Let's talk about another one. Gender, identity, and sexuality. Um, so many people struggle with these issues at different points in their lives. Like, it seems like almost everybody struggles in some way with this. Our world wants to make these questions the story of your life. It should be a small story. The world makes it feel like the biggest story. The world wants you to base your whole identity off of who you're attracted to. There's a bigger story. Here's the challenge for us. As a church, will we be a place that welcomes all people and helps them right-size these concepts so that God can be glorified, so that God's story can be the story of their life, not a smaller story. And then lastly, uh, and there are, more, there are more things, small stories. There are so many small stories that can come in. These are the, the big small stories. Lastly, generational divides. And Clay, Clay's going to preach next week um, about a different kind of diversity um, and being a church that honors every person from youngest to oldest. I don't know if you thought about that much. That's a challenge that we have. That's something that we need to grow in. And I'd like, uh, I'd like us to, I'd like to encourage you to invite a cedar who hasn't been around much. It is very difficult for a lot of the cedars through the pandemic. We all had a hard time, you know, especially our seniors. Uh, so would you invite someone this week who hasn't been around much? If God just put a person on your heart, a, a face just flashed, that's the person that I'd like you to invite to church next Sunday to hear Clay's message. It's going to be super encouraging. Amen? Those are some of the lesser stories. Uh, those are the fault lines in our world. That's what causes division in our world. Takes away unity, takes away oneness. It can, those can also be, and often are, the fault lines in our church. We can't say, well, we're immune to it. We face those same struggles. But God wants them to be small lines, small paragraphs in his great big story. 
He wants these minor characters to be seen in the light of the main character, Jesus Christ, who has an answer for all of this. Um, here's the answer, um, or an answer. In, in Mark's, Mark 10, we're familiar with the story of the rich young ruler. Rich young ruler, it says, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I've kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Here's a solution. We're not going to fix all of these issues. If you feel like it's your personal job to fix any of those small stories I just gave you, it's not. What we are called to do is to put God's story first. And then solutions start to appear. So what's one of the things that we can do? We can look at people and love them. Look at people. And I don't mean like stare awkwardly. That actually doesn't help. If you're, if you're trying to help division and you're staring awkwardly at somebody, that is not the thing to do. If you do that after church, you're like, he said, look at people. Um, please, <laughs> you have misinterpreted the lesson. Here's the question. Are you truly seeing people? It's weird. Isn't it crazy that we, people just become invisible to us? We have relationships that we know. We have people we're close to, and those are our people. And then other people disappear. It takes conscious effort to see when you look at people, are you looking past the stereotypes? Are you looking past the assumptions? You know, you can't see people if you're not making space for them in your lives. You can't see people if you don't listen to them by asking questions and being humble and extending grace. You can't see people in the church if you only talk to the same people in the church every week. You already saw them. What are your blind spots? You know, I love that as a church, I don't know if you're, if you're visiting with us today, I want you to know this, we're not one of those churches where everyone rushes out the door and it's like everyone's trying to fit. Sometimes everyone gets stuck at the door and then someone pops out. No, we made it to our cars. Let's go. We stick around. We hang out. We fellowship. Maybe it's the best part. You know, a lot of weeks is probably better than the sermon. Uh, it's just the fellowship. Amen? I'll admit that. You know, one of my favorite things to do during that time is to take somebody new and bring them to somebody new. Hey, come on, let's go on. A, it's like a fellowship journey. I'd never use those words because that's like the equivalent of staring awkwardly at somebody. But hey, let's go. I want, you, I want to introduce you to somebody. But what I've realized recently, I think in the aftermath of the last couple of years, is that even some of the older people in the church don't know the newer, older people in the church. Does that make sense? Uh, like, most of us have been around for a little while now, and there's still people we don't know. And it's not that big of a church. Are you looking at people? Are you willing to introduce yourself? And then, after you look at people, maybe this is more challenging. Are you loving them? When you truly get to know somebody, you grow closer, you've got another choice to make. You're going to start to see differences. There might be things you don't understand or even things you don't like. Will you love them anyway? 
But rich young ruler, the story goes on, he's about to choose worldly possessions that will rot, that he will not be able to take with him over Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. That's what he's going to choose. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Can we talk about Jake for a second? Jake's like, no, I don't want to talk about Jake. Jake, Jake sets the most amazing example of this, okay? So many people have said, well, you know, when I first came to, to this church, I was nervous, but then I met Jake, and I'm like, thank you, Jesus, that they ran in to Jake, because, man, does he know how to look at people and love them. The songs could have been off. The sermon could have been a dud. But if they met Jake, their Lansing Area Church of Christ experience was awesome. Why is that? Is it the beard? It might be the beard. No, it's, it's because he takes a genuine interest in people. That's it. And that's, that's what's so amazing about God's vision of oneness for the church. It's not an institutional vision. Like, we need to figure this out. Let's do some drills and figure out how to be friendly. It's, it's an individual vision that plays out in the group. Each one of you has the ability to be like Jake. Or even more so, and this is what Jake does, to be like Jesus. Amen? You have the ability to show off God's amazing love, God's amazing vision for his church. You also have the ability to ignore it. I believe that simply looking at people, looking at, really looking at people, and loving them can change your whole world. There's one more aspect of this we need to talk about, though, okay? Like, man, we talked about a lot of stuff today. One more thing. You got it? All right, we're going. Let's do it. Go and make disciples of all nations. No, we aren't just called to be a church of all nations that, it, that shows off unity and oneness. We are called to go and make disciples of all nations. We aren't called to an isolated oneness. We just come and we have this holy huddle here. and uh, The world is so terrible, but look at us. We're one. It's an active oneness. We are to go into the world and help them experience what we have. You know, when I look back over the last couple of years, I want to be really honest with you guys, one of my biggest regrets is I think all the things happening in the world, those smaller stories, a lot of them distracted me personally from the mission, from the vision that God has for us to go and make disciples of all nations. And if I get distracted from that, guess what that means for the church? It's a a rough job. It it means that we've been off got off mission. And we've been talking about for a while, it's, it's time to get back on mission. There's never time to be off. Amen? And so, and I mean this, I have an offer for you, okay? I have, I have an offer. If you feel called to the mission, if you're like, yeah, I want to get back on the mission. I want to make an impact. I want this, this vision that God has, this big story to spread. Then I want you to come and talk to me after church. This is what I've got for you. I'm going, to do a, I'm going to do a Zoom meeting. This, this is getting very specific. This Tuesday at 8.30. 
And I want to train anybody who is uh, who's interested to do a Bible discussion group, a Bible talk about Christian zombies. We don't want Christian zombies, by the way. That's bad. Uh, but a lot of people are Christian zombies, okay? And so it, it's something you can do in the next few weeks. It's spooky season. It fits. The campus talked about this on Friday. Franco uh, did an awesome job talking about this on Friday night. Um, and so we... I have a Bible study for you. I've got invitations that you can make your own, uh, and I want to train you how to do it, okay? Um, and so you just talk to me. I'll give you the Zoom link, uh, but we're going to talk about, like, where to do this, when to do it, at your house, at a coffee shop, at school, even at work, you could do this potentially. Talk about how to invite people to it. We'll pray about who we're inviting, how to lead the discussion. You can do this. I know you might be like, there's no way I can do this, you can do this. Here's the thing. I don't know who's going to respond to this. It might be everyone's like, cool idea, cool idea, bro. No, not happening, okay? Um, we're all disciples of Jesus. Disciples make disciples. We're all capable of this. It could be a couple of people, and I would love to get on the Zoom and have a couple people do this. That's the gospel being preached in a couple more places in the next few weeks than it would, than it would have been. It could be a couple dozen people. That'd be awesome. Maybe the Spirit will move us all. We'll have an extra church service Tuesday night um, on Zoom. But I, I want to work with whoever is willing, whoever the Spirit is calling, to take God's big story to the nooks and neighborhoods of the Lansing area, to your area, in our area. We can't become a church of all nations and display the oneness of God if we aren't willing to go and make disciples of all nations that display the oneness of God. Overall, I want you to think about in this message, it's just, it's just the title of this whole series. It's messy. But let's be church. Amen? I'm going to uh, pray for communion right now. Please pray with me. Lord, uh, I want to just thank you for sharing your faith with us. Um, I think about when you were in the garden and you struggled. You, 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 your son begged that, that the cup be taken. If there was any other way, uh, the way that, that he was called to share his faith uh, was by giving his very body, his blood, his life, so that we could be saved. And it was hard for him to share his faith. Uh, that step that he had to take so that we could be uh, we could have this vision of being a church, being a church of all nations. Uh, it was so difficult for your son, Jesus. Thank you so much, Jesus, for sharing your faith with us, even though it was hard. I want to thank you, uh, Jesus, and thank you, God, for crossing cultural lines, for taking a major division in the first century between Jewish people and Gentiles and bringing them together. And we have the story of how hard fought that was in the book of Acts and in the letters that Paul wrote. It was so difficult, and you did it. We know that you can unify, that you can unite. Mostly, God, I want to thank you for looking at each of us, like really knowing us and loving us anyway. We're so undeserving of that kind of love. We're so, so grateful that you have vision, even for our lives, even for our church. 
Lord, the, the church, this church is your body. Um, sometimes we need to be broken a little bit. Maybe some of the things we talked about today, these lesser stories, they break our hearts. Pray that if, if we are broken like your body, if we're bleeding even a little like your body did on the cross, God, I pray that you could fill our brokenness, you could fill what's missing with so much vision. We could be a church, even this church, could be a church that could change the whole world. What an amazing dream we get to participate in. Thank you for believing in us, God, so much more than we could ever believe in you. We do believe in you, Lord Jesus. We want to be your church. Thanks for this time of communion. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Lansing Area Church of Christ. While we're happy to share this message via podcast, we'd love to pray and worship with you in person. To learn more about our services or to connect with us, please visit us at lansingchurch.org. Have a great week and go with God.